listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of the show. Happy Thursday all across Broncos country, wherever you're at. From the south stands to the end zone, you are Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, NFL analyst and Broncos insider for the Lockdown NFL Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. You can follow the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe there as well. Cody Rourke NFL for exclusive Denver Broncos film content where we break down the game on the offense, defense, special team side of the ball, and we take a look at players and how they perform on Sundays. Today's episode of the show is brought to you by our good friends over there at Pepsi, and this football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers, because Pepsi is made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. And ladies and gentlemen, today is Thursday. You know what that means. It is crossover Thursday all across the Locked On NFL Network. We are previewing this Sunday's matchup with the opposing team's local expert to preview what to expect when the Kansas City Chiefs come to town on Sunday to take on the Denver Broncos. I'll be talking with Chris Clark, one of the hosts of Locked On Chiefs, about this matchup. We're going to preview it back and forth. We're going to get a perspective from each side on today's episode of the show. But before we do that as well, we're going to get into the injury report as the Broncos return back to practice yesterday at the UC Health Training Center in Eaglewood, Colorado. They're going to be getting some players back. Some good news overall for Denver as the official window for activation for Draymond Jones and Demarcus Walker off of injured reserve is now happening because they return to practice. The Broncos have 21 days to decide whether they're going to activate them off of IR or whether they're going to keep them on there. And if they keep them on there, they'll be there all year. But according to Broncos head coach Vic Fangio, that is not going to be the case. Both of these players will make the return and it also makes sense considering that the Denver Broncos released defensive lineman Timmy Jernigan early on this week and they had brought him in for some defensive line help but the Broncos more than likely are going to keep the defensive line rotation of Deshaun Williams, Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell, Demarcus Walker and Draymond Jones considering where this depth is at it gives the Broncos the ability to stay fresh and rotate guys who are going to be on the field making an instant impact for the defensive end and the defensive tackle position for this Denver Broncos football team. So let's get into Wednesday's practice report here for the Broncos as they prepare for the Kansas City Chiefs this upcoming Sunday. Jeremiah Atauchu still not participating in practice. Vic Fangio said early on in the week he doesn't imagine he's going to participate at all in practice. Likely going to be out this week against the Kansas City Chiefs dealing with a quadricep injury in the Broncos. They've been missing a guy like Jeremiah Atauchu, but it's been great to see guys like Malik Reed step up, Derek Tuska getting some run on the defensive side of the ball. The Broncos' seventh-round pick out of North Dakota State. This is a great thing for him to be able to get on-field experience, but you can never beat the veteran experience of having a guy like Jeremiah Atauchu. So this Broncos defense is still trying to get acclimated, get guys in, get them reps. Trial by fire. Malik Reed has done a good job coming off of his first career multi-sack game, two sacks on Cam Newton in Sunday's 18-12 victory over the Patriots. And then the guy that was mic'd up on Sunday for the Broncos, Andrew Beck, tight end, hybrid full back. He, was, he did not participate in Wednesday's practice dealing with a hamstring injury. This was something we didn't see happen in the game. So for him to not practice on Wednesday was sort of surprising uh, for, I think, for everybody to see that. So if that's the case, I mean, imagine if Noah Fant is returning this week, 
That might be good news for the Broncos to be able to utilize him. And it's going to make their decision to activate Albert Okwebunam even easier from the onset as well. Veteran offensive tackle DeMar Dotson did not participate in Wednesday's practice. He received a veteran's day off, according to Vic Fangio. So he will be back today when the Broncos get back on the field. But for Dalton Reisner, did not participate on Wednesday's practice as well, dealing with that shoulder injury alongside Deontay Spencer. Those two player statuses for Sunday is truly questionable. Vic Fangio said it yesterday that he believes that Reisner's injury will leave him as questionable for Sunday, even though some reports said that he was doubtful. We'll continue to monitor that progress as the information becomes more available to us. Broncos outside backer, though, Bradley Chubb, he did appear on the injury report with an ankle injury. Says that he was limited in practice, meaning that he just did his position-specific drills, didn't really do any defensive team drills. More so the Broncos precautionary, probably holding him out because you don't want to risk losing a guy like Bradley Chubb, so you want to go through limited early on the week. The Broncos' first day back uh, at practice was yesterday, so they have time to prepare today, tomorrow, a little bit of a Saturday walkthrough. Then it's game time on Sunday when the Chiefs come to town. K.J. Handler was limited with a hamstring injury. The Broncos not wanting to rush him back into things, so he's going through wide receiver drills. Nothing in team drills just yet, but if he feels good with his hamstring, there could be a chance that his status increases from limited to full, but my estimation would be that he's going to be limited in today's practice as well. Could be a full go for the Broncos on Friday. If not, maybe we could expect to see him next week when the Los Angeles Chargers come to town. But tight end Noah Fant back at practice as well. Ankle injury, high ankle sprain suffered in week four against the New York Jets. He was limited at practice as well. There is a growing sense of optimism that Fant returns to the starting lineup this Sunday against the Chiefs. And then Mike Purcell, we know he's been nursing a knee injury the last couple of weeks. He was limited in practice. This is just precautionary. We saw him play on Sunday against the Patriots did fine. It's great to have guys like Demarcus Walker and Draymond Jones back because if you really believe that Purcell could use a blow from time to time to protect the knee, then you can insert one of those guys in there and Draymond Jones could definitely do the job there at the defensive tackle position. So that is your Broncos injury report from Wednesday's practice. Just a couple notables on the Kansas City Chiefs side of things. Taco Charlton knee injury did not participate in Wednesday's practice. Alex Okafor defensive end hamstring did not participate. Mitchell Schwartz, this is a big one to kind of keep an eye on. He, he aggravated his back in the Buffalo Bills game. He did not participate on Wednesday so if he can't go for the Chiefs, that's big for them, especially at the right tackle position. Eric Fisher, though, at the left tackle position, shoulder injury was a full participant and then likely no Sammy Watkins. We're going to hear a little bit more from the Kansas City Chiefs side of things coming up here in just a moment, Broncos country, because we're going to get into our Crossover Thursday episode with Chris Clark of Lockdown Chiefs coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, folks, I got to tell you about the two sponsors of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. It's our good friends over there at Pepsi and RockAuto.com. Now with Pepsi, this football season will be different and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day, no matter matter how you watch this season, the Broncos are going to be hosting the Kansas City Chiefs and you can catch all the action from the comfort of your own home with a Pepsi in your hand because Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi is made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. And our good friends over there, rockauto.com. Chain stores all across the country have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Well, rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are always reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing the prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and it does not require a membership or account login. RockAuto.com 
is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. 20 years of amazing service. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And when I say they have everything, they have everything that you could be looking for for your vehicle, whether it's an engine control module, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, or even a brand new steering wheel cover, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver or your projects you got in the garage, you can get everything that you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com Broncos country, Chiefs kingdom. There is a crossover episode happening this week because it's the first divisional matchup between the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday. Kansas City coming off a short week, coming to Denver. And I'm very excited to talk with Chris Clark of Locked On Chiefs for a crossover Thursday here on the Locked On NFL Network. Chris, always great getting to these crossovers with you. The Kansas City Chiefs have had a really strong season so far. They've overcome some adversity here and there. We saw them respond on Monday Night Football with a big win over the Buffalo Bills. Now they have a short week for the Denver Broncos. I'm not going to waste any time here. The first question I want to ask you is we saw the Chiefs kind of transition a little bit. They've been able they've been a team that's been able to throw it, rack up a lot of yards through the air with Patrick Mahomes. We saw a little bit of a different approach from them on Monday against the Bills. They ran the ball and they ran it really well with Clyde Edwards Hilaire and also with Patrick Mahomes. But now this Sunday, Le'Veon Bell more than likely is going to make his debut for Kansas City. How does the addition of him really impact this matchup for the Chiefs from an offensive perspective? You know, Cody, I think the biggest thing that you're going to be looking at in this game is I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be seeing a lot of the same carries that he was getting before. He may not get, I think he got 26 on Monday night. He may not get that many, uh, but I think he ran very well. I think he's earned his starting role. I still think he's going to be the starter. I don't think that's going to change. What I do think you're going to see is I think Le'Veon Bell is going to come in on specific situations, especially in this first game. Uh, and I think he's going to be more of a third down tie back um, because uh, to me, what you have in Darrell Williams, I think he is a good in between the blockers or in between the tackles type runner, but I don't think he gives you the same burst or same speed. He's not as great catching the ball out of the backfield, obviously is Le'Veon Bell. So I think that's really what Kansas City is going to be looking at. I really am very curious to see what they kind of do with Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards Alaire. I think that they could go, some very interesting two back sets with those two uh, because you never know who's going to run the ball at that pers- from that perspective. Uh, but I really am excited to see how they kind of get him into the fold in this offense. Well, one of the things that too, I, you know, I wanted to ask you just pinpointing, looking at Kansas city. One of the things I was looking at is their game against the Las Vegas Raiders. They lost that one 40 to 32 a little bit of a shootout, but the Raiders really kind of controlled that second half there. What was the biggest difference in your opinion from what you've seen from the chiefs and how dominant they've been what happened on that Sunday against the Raiders? And was there a little bit of a blueprint that teams might use against Kansas City that maybe Denver could replicate this Sunday? You know, I think the big thing, and I don't mean to take anything away from the Raiders, but I guess I will with this comment. I think Kansas City in a lot of ways beat themselves in that game, beat themselves. And the reason I say that is because what you saw over and over and over and over again against the Raiders was you saw DBs looking in the backfield and getting beat by Carr in his eyes. And I don't think Kansas City is going to continue to do that. And I do think that that's going to be something that you look at their pass defense. They were uh, number one in the NFL and DBOA and pass defense going into that Raiders game. Obviously, they're not there anymore. 
But you look at what they were able to do to Josh Allen to that Buffalo, that vaunted Buffalo offense. They really slowed them down. They really made it to where Josh Allen couldn't do anything. They weren't really getting home and getting sacks, but they were effective enough to get some of his throws to be off time. Uh, and they didn't have the big mental mistakes that you had against the Raiders. When you're looking at the Raiders game, I can think of specific instances where Shavarius Ward is looking in the backfield, not paying attention to where the receiver is, and then his receiver gets behind him, and there's nobody back there to help him. Uh, Tyron Matthew trying to come over the top to help him on a long touchdown pass. That's not going to work in some scenarios. You also have a situation where Daniel Sorensen was caught peeking in the backfield, and I can't remember which corner was beat on that route. Uh, it might have been Vinton, it might have been Warren, I'm not sure. But the problem was Daniel Sorensen is looking at a route coming over the middle instead of being the single high guy like he was supposed to be and letting nobody get behind him. And you just you simply can't do that in the NFL. If you do that multiple times a game, you're going to lose. And that's really what Kansas City did in that game. I do think that Denver has a lot of weapons. I think that they have the ability to you know spread this team out and really put some points up. Uh, I don't expect that they're going to put 40 on Kansas City. I do think that it's probably going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game from that perspective. Uh, but I think what you saw against the Raiders isn't necessarily going to be replicated unless Kansas City continues or I guess goes back to having their eyes in the backfield, looking at the quarterback and trying to really, I think part of it was also them trying to stop the run. They were looking at it, trying to say, okay, we know we struggle the running game. Josh Jacobs is going to run the ball down our throats. We need to slow that down. And when you do that, then you open yourself up to big pass plays and that really kills them. Well, and part of me too, in, in terms of this, you've probably looked at some of the Broncos film in, in terms of that secondary for Kansas city. One thing Denver did against new England last week and new England has one of the best secondaries in the national football league is that they constantly took deep shots. They took nine deep balls past 20 yards and they were aggressive all game long. I imagine the chiefs, I know that Tyrone Matthew, I know the cornerbacks, they're going to be looking at that in some of those third down situations or even first down situations. Imagine we're going to see a different look, maybe a cover two, a cover four this week from Steve, Spagnolo, but in your opinion if you could pinpoint any weakness on this Chiefs defense what's been an area for them defensively leading into this matchup that you feel like they have to improve on going against the Denver Broncos honestly it's got to be discipline in the back in the back end of the defense I, I think that you know what you saw against Buffalo I think part of that was Josh Allen was missing some passes I don't expect that's going to happen necessarily as much with Drew Locke but I think one thing that if Kansas City can be disciplined in the back end and they can really stick to their assignments and be where they're supposed to be, I think that goes a long way. I do expect Denver is going to come in and try to shoot and try to really go after them with deep balls. And, and you know, you expect that, especially with what we saw uh, against the Bills and against the Raiders. So uh, that's what Kansas City has to be ready for. And they've got to be disciplined and be ready for that type of play. But, you know, Juan Thornhill, I think, is getting better every week after his injury, coming back from his injury. Uh, you know, you already talked about Tyron Matthew. And the corners, I think, have played pretty well for the most part, though they've struggled at times. Well, the last one I have for you here in terms of the opposite end of what you, you see with defensive backs, in terms of the wide receiver group here for Kansas City, Tyreek Hill, we know McCole Hardman is, is a big part of there. Sammy Watkins missed the Buffalo game. Any kind of early prognosis, do you think Sammy Watkins returns this Sunday against Denver? Because even if he misses, Kansas City still has a variety of guys that Patrick Mahomes can go to, and we've seen them debut out the, the distribution offensively pretty even. I would agree with that. And I will say, I don't think Sammy Watkins makes this game. I don't think he plays. I honestly thought that they were going to put Sammy Watkins on IR and lose him for at least three weeks. I think that that would have been the smarter move because he has shown a tendency to have hamstring injuries that linger. 
So in my opinion, I would have set him through the Jets game, uh, the game after the Broncos. So I don't think he's going to play this week. Uh, it would really surprise me if he does. But what you did see against the Bills was Demarcus Robinson stepped into his role that Sammy played and really played his position very well. Played a, a good, did a good job as a possession receiver. I'd like to see him keep the ball high and tight as opposed to holding it away from his body like he did at times on Monday night. But uh, you know, I think that they do have a lot of weapons, and and you know, there's another thing that. You know, a lot of people are seeing as not really being a big issue, but Kansas City also lost Anthony Sherman to the COVID, at least to to having to go onto the COVID list, and he wasn't active for this past game. And they moved Travis Kelsey into the backfield uh, and used it in a lot of split back type situations or wing, however you want to look at it, type situations. I thought that was very interesting to see them do that and break uh, Kelsey into the backfield and really use him as basically a fullback because they did not throw the ball out of that formation at all. A lot of interesting insight. If you're a Broncos fan, you're learning a lot about what to expect from the Kansas City Chiefs offensively, defensively from Chris Clark, host of Lockdown Chiefs. But here in a moment, we're going to flip the script. Chris is going to ask me a bunch of questions as it pertains to the Denver Broncos, and we're going to give Chiefs fans a little bit of insight as to what to expect from Denver here in the AFC West here in just a moment. But before we get to Chris's questions for me pertaining to the Denver Broncos, I got to tell you about SportsBetting.com, our sponsor of today's episode of the show, because they are now live and taking action in the state of Colorado. SportsBetting.com is passionate about sports and they're the authority on sports betting with their own in-house bookmakers sportsbetting.com is known for their sharp odds and low juice that means the best prices for you new players get a welcome bonus to a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $500 sportsbetting.com offers no hassle bonuses with just a one-time playthrough so take advantage of their NFL touchdown promotions with can't lose offers on first touchdown scored if you believe the Broncos are going to score first against Kansas City. You can bet on that at sportsbetting.com. So get your action on at the home of sports betting. That's sportsbetting.com backslash locked on Broncos. All right. So, Cody, let's go ahead and get into this really quick. Denver Broncos, I have to admit, when this season started, I thought that they were going to be the second best team in the AFC West. I will say that up front. Uh, it looks like they've struggled a little bit. But the thing that really has stood out to me is you have Drew Locke, who I think played better early in the season. Then he got hurt. Then he came back against the Patriots. They didn't score any touchdowns. But your offensive weapons have been hurting a little bit because you lost Cameron or you lost Cortland Sutton. I apologize. What have you really seen from the offense so far this year? Well, and, and that's the thing, too, because you, you got Drew Locke in the week one against Tennessee, and then you lose him on the second offensive series week two against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then you lose Cortland Sutton, you know, arguably the team's number one target. It, it definitely hurt the Broncos. And I say what hurt Denver more consistently than anything else was the fact that after they lost Drew Locke, they were really struggling at quarterback. Jeff Driscoll got the start in week three against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he saw a ghost out there. He held onto the ball way too long, and the Tampa Bay defense just absolutely swarmed him. He got sacked six times on the day. Not a lot of productivity for the Broncos offensively when Driscoll was in there. So then they went with Brett Rippon against the New York Jets, and, and Brett Rippon, for the most part, did a pretty good job, but then he had three boneheaded interceptions trying to force balls into coverage, and it kind of went away from the Broncos' identity a little bit. I feel like this is a Broncos team that is a rushing attack first. They lost Philip Lindsay week one in the first half, and then he just made his return last Sunday against New England, was able to get over 100 yards rushing, and then they also got Drew Locke back, and Locke 
his ball placement on the deep throws was really good last week against New England. And then he had two drops, two, I mean, two interceptions uh, in that fourth quarter that I, I don't know why the coaches wanted to force the ball downfield. The first one was a miscommunication to him and Tim Patrick. The other one was him just trying to be aggressive. And, and the safeties made a great play for New England. Uh, you can't make those mistakes against a team like Kansas City because if you turn it over, they could put up points at any given moment with the offense that they have. I'll just say for the, the Broncos offensively, Chris, it's really just been about consistency. This is a new offensive scheme. They didn't really get a training camp to install it. And and when you lose your quarterback after week one and then he just gets in, you're still going to go through some growing pains. But now the Broncos expected to have both Melvin Gordon back and Philip Lindsay back this week. You're going to see both of them on the field at the same time together. Noah Fant also has a chance to make his return and KJ Hamler. And so the emergence of Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy, the Broncos weapons, I think, are starting to get reacclimated a little bit. But consistency has been the key for Denver. Well, I'm glad you bring up Fant and Hamler. I was just about to ask you about those guys. Do you think they'll be back this week? There's a chance. I think Noah Fant's probably more likely right now than K.J. Hamler. So what K.J. has to do this week, starting today at practice, he's going to be working on testing his hamstring out. It's been an issue since the NFL scouting combine. It prohibited him from running and testing in the combine. And then he also injured it in training camp and sat out. He didn't make his return to the NFL till week two against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then in the New York Jets game, he tweaked it again. So he's going to test it. And if it doesn't hold up, there's a chance that he could go on injured reserve. But if he can come back, it gives the Broncos a true speed element. He and Tyreek Hill are probably, if you look in the AFC West between him, uh, you look at Henry Ruggs and Tyreek Hill, I think that the AFC West has some three track star speed type players, and it would be a big boost for the Broncos offensively. But as of right now, it's questionable. Well, and you look at this Broncos team, and the thing that's always really stood, stood out stood out to me about them is you look at their offensive line. I think they've really struggled there. You know, Garrett Bowles, I, I have not been impressed with. What have you seen from the offensive line so far this year? And if I remember correctly, you guys lost your right tackle to opting out of COVID, correct? Yeah, Juwan James opted out before the season, but the, the biggest surprise for the Broncos on the offensive line this year is Garrett Bowles has played his best football of his career, hasn't allowed a sack, ha- hasn't allowed many pressures as all. He's been very disciplined. The Broncos' struggles this year have really come on the interior of the offensive line with Dalton Reisner, second-year player. More than likely, he's going to be doubtful for this game on Sunday against Kansas City. Austin Schlotman will more than likely get the start at left guard. Lloyd Cushenberry is a rookie center. And then Graham Glasgow, a lot of the guards have had to help out a little bit on Lloyd Cushingberry to be able to help out on the interior. But I think with Chris Jones there on the interior, I can see Kansas City putting him on a zero technique head up on the center, and then I can see them blitzing the inside backers. I know that the Chiefs are going to come out here and try to pressure the Broncos. Locke's going to have to make decisive throws, but the, the Broncos have been surprisingly decent at the tackle position at left tackle, and then DeMar Dotson, a veteran guy, has done pretty well the last couple of weeks filling in. Elijah Wilkinson was a starter after Juwan James opted out, uh, but Elijah Wilkinson went on IR as well, so now DeMar Dotson in there, but Garrett Bowles played really well this season, and he is actually in line for a contract extension. <laughs> it's kind of funny considering the way he's played the past couple of years. I never thought I'd hear you be saying that, <laughs> but you sit here and you look at this game, and I think obviously we both think that both of these teams have good offenses, and I would have to agree with that sentiment. So you look at the, the Denver defense, and you know, obviously, you lost Von Miller to start the season. Uh, we don't think, or at least I haven't seen anything where they think that he's going to be back. Uh, and you know, if they're if they continue on their kind of projection right now, uh, I can't imagine they'd want to bring him back if they're not, you know, fighting for a playoff spot. But what have you seen from the rest of the defense so far from Denver? Well, it's really tough to say in terms of Von Miller. I mean, his his timeline, he's been at the practice facility a lot lately. He's on, he's in a boot. He's, you know, he's kind of on the scooter right now. Vaughn is targeting a return in mid-December, even though the odds of it are very, very, very unlikely at this point. 
that is where Vaughn is focused on. And, you know, the Broncos, despite sitting at a two and three record right now, they still believe that they, they are capable of winning some games down the stretch. They lost to Tennessee in week one. They lost to Tampa Bay. And then they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they lost to some pretty damn good football teams. But then the, the schedule down the stretch, the Broncos are going to be playing some pretty damn good football teams in the coming weeks as well. And it starts this Sunday against Kansas City. So it's going to be a big test for them. But defensively, guys like Malik Reed have stepped up. He had a two-sack performance against the Patriots last week. Bradley Chubb has been getting back into form as well. He's registered a sack on Cam Newton as well. Anthony Ciccolo, a practice squad pickup from the New Orleans Saints this year. The Broncos have implemented him, and they've been very aggressive blitzing the inside linebackers. So defensively, they're starting to get more sacks, and they're getting more takeaways, and Vic Fangio has really changed his approach towards being more aggressive, blitzing, disguising coverages, and right now it's playing to the favor of Denver. I don't know how successful you could be doing that same formula against the Kansas City Chiefs because when they go empty or they go spread three by one they or they go gun and they release the tailback to the flats. I mean, there's so many different options and Patrick Mahomes is so good at identifying where the blitz is at and throwing. It's going to be hard for Denver and, and I'm really intrigued to see how they match up and how they designed a scheme against the, the Kansas City Chiefs offense this week. Well, and I'm glad you bring up the, the fact that they want to blitz the quarterback and that's really how Denver's defense plays because I think Mahomes is probably Probably one of the best in the NFL uh, playing off that blitz. So uh, I would love to see them blitz. Uh, good luck stopping Mahomes. And I'm not trying to be cocky or anything, but uh, he's proven that he can he can pick that up. And I think that they'd be in a good situation, though. But the one thing that really stands out to me on this defense is you do not have Chris Harris Jr. on it anymore. Uh, you know, and obviously, Keep Talib is long gone. But you do have somebody in A.J. Bouye. What have you seen from the corner and what have you seen from that group in general? Uh, because it's, there's been a lot of turnover the last couple of years. Yeah, that's been a big position. It's been changing. But the Broncos, they they found guys that really fit their identity. A.J. Bouye could make his return to the lineup. He left the first half of the Tennessee Titans game in week one with a separated shoulder, went on IR. There is a chance that he is back this week for Denver. It could be this week. Uh, but the Broncos have been playing Devontae Bosby on the outside and, and cornerback rookie Michael Ojemu out of Iowa, the Broncos third round selection. And he has been a treat to watch. He's very special. He's a true zone cover corner working on his man coverage right now. Uh, he's got deceptively good speed, ability to keep guys in front of him, quick reacting, and he's punched footballs out. He's forced several turnovers, and he's also been in position. He had an interception week one that got negated by a penalty, and then he dropped a clear interception week two in the end zone that Ben Roethlisberger threw to him, and he wishes he could have that one back, but he's been fun to watch. And then you got guys like Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons on the back end. Justin Simmons in the last two matchups against the Chiefs, he has played really well. He, he garnered the respect of Patrick. He's one of the, the, the most competitive guys, one of the toughest guys for him to go against, which you know Patrick Mahomes makes everything look easy, so I think that's a lot of high praise there for him. Um, but outside so. of that, and Kareem Jackson is just a heat-seeking missile. He's been big and so the Broncos have really benefited from their secondary this year. I think it's much more improved than what they've had. But then again, when you're playing the speed and all the weapons that Kansas City has, I think the biggest test of the season for them is going to come on Sunday. Well, and when you look at this game, this is going to be my last question to you. When you look at this game and you have Kansas City's high-powered offense versus Denver's high-powered weapons and an offense that I think I agree with you. I think that they're going to get going again. I think Drew Locke coming back from an injury, I think you know a couple more games under his belt is going to really help this team in general but where do you sense that this team is really with even the coaching standpoint at two and three I understand you know they've had some tough games but you're right they're going to continue to have tough games the rest of the season how are you feeling about Vic Fangio and so far in this part of the year for Denver 
I, I tell you, there's Broncos fans that are super impatient with anything. You know, if there's a, a two-point loss, it's fire everybody. I, I love Vic Fangio. I've had a chance to talk with several of the coaches, talk with a lot of the players. They love Vic Fangio's philosophy, and the culture that Denver has built has been closer than it's been in a long time, probably in the last five years. They are a really close-knit group. They're very young, and they have a lot of things to build on in the future going forward. That's why the Broncos brought in Vic Fangio, because they believe he could build something special in Denver from a culture standpoint, identity, which they believe their identity is a strong defensive team. And then eventually it's going to transition to strong defense, strong rushing attack, ability to open up with the pass eventually. But they are in good position with Vic Fangio. And I think that, you know, a lot of teams right now would love to have a coach like Vic and his defensive mind and the staff that they have in place. A lot of experience. John Pagano at outside backer. You have Pat Shermer as the OC and then Mike Shula is the quarterback coach. This is a team that's really focused on player development. And that's what we've seen so far in the last two years from Denver. Well, Broncos country, that'll do it for today's episode. Lockdown Broncos crossover Thursday. Obviously, a lot of thanks to Chris Clark over there. Lockdown Chiefs. The Denver Broncos will host the Kansas City Chiefs this week. 2.25 p.m. Mountain Time kickoff at Powerfield Mile High. We'll have a Lockdown Broncos postgame report for you on Monday. But in the meantime, Broncos fans, Zach Seegers, Patrick Keody, and myself, we're going to do our game preview against the Kansas City Chiefs on tomorrow's episode of the show. Make sure that you guys tune in. We take a look at the numbers. We take a look at the tail of the tape. And we analyze where the Broncos may be at on Sunday against a very, very tough test, arguably their toughest test so far this entire season. With that said, I'm Cody Work, your host of Lockdown Broncos. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast provider for daily exclusive Denver Broncos content. And if you want some Denver Broncos film, folks, head over to YouTube, type in Cody Work NFL, find the channel, hit that subscribe button. We're almost close to 3,000 subscribers, but we break down Broncos film exclusively in depth, offense, defense, player perspectives, and we draw, we telestrate the way the analysts should during the game. So you're going to learn a lot over there. Cody Work NFL on YouTube and Twitter. We'll see you tomorrow, Broncos country, for a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos.